Hello and welcome to Behind the Screams. As always, my name is Ian. In today's show, I am joined by the rest of the Cackle crew. Uh, we've introduced them already, but we'll introduce them again. First up, it's the returning Lindsay. Hello, you threw me off there. You always introduce Lucy first. I know, and I, I, you know what? I, I just love watching the pairing is, because Lucy, you're just as bad for this. The pairing is struggle to unmute yourself. <laughs> Like every single. Why do you like to watch me fail? <laughs> every, every single time. Every single time, though, it's every single time. It's oh, like no. it's like it's it's like you don't know. It's like you have not done it like six million times by now. No. Anyways, <laughs> I've already mentioned her there. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Lucy too. How are you? Thank you for recognising that, the Lucy 2. See what I did there? You see? see? Yeah, I know. We only talked about it, like, five minutes ago. <laughs> I listening on the download, didn't I, Ken, Matt? Oh, that's true. No, you know what? I take it back. I take it back. There you go. Thank, thank you. Lucy. I'm never... I'm ne- <laughs> listen, you. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> you. I'm, I'm not taking that for you. I'm taking that. Why are that high of me? Why? Oh, this is going to be a long episode. Yay. <laughs> Yay, I love it. So this is episode number, oh, by the way, that was that was Lucy. Uh, this is episode oh, yeah, yeah. number 145. And in today's show, we're talking about the 1986 horror sci-fi comedy musical, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, before we get there, we'll do our socials, we'll do the housekeeping, and then we will get into chats about the movie. Don't forget, for those of you who are here live in the chat, feel free to express your opinions, ask questions, do whatever you like in the chat. We will try and keep pulling you in as much as possible. Uh, so yeah, please feel free to interact with us as much as possible because that's why we do things live. And uh, for those of you who are listening to us on the download, uh, we appreciate you guys too. Thank you so much for listening to us on the download. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Lucy. Just because I, I, th- I don't want to throw Lindsay off, because apparently, you know, her, her, her wee brain can't handle it. Uh, Lucy, where can people find you on the socials? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Lulu underscore Pew. And um, I know some people are probably be sick of me saying this, but I think it's very important to mention I am fundraising for the month of June <laughs> because it's Pride Month. Oh, oh, my God. oh sorry, I just saw that. oh my lord (laughs) if you're listening on the download i'm sorry because you've no clue what's going on basically our friend graham who has been in the chat uh has just created a new profile called burbage's Mm -hmm. blow up doll 86 and uh I was going to say, I don't know if that's like Graham on a fake profile or if that's his his missus. Why does that not surprise me? Oh, wow. 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 That's just derailed everything we were doing there. We have, we have, thank you. Oh, it's not. It's actually. (laughs) It's actually not even his. Oh my God. Hello, Siobhan. <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyways, um, 
Let's see, what were you talking about there? For the month of June. <laughs> While you compose yourselves, talk about something very serious here, actually. <laughs> um, Sorry, listen. <laughs> how, how dare we have joy and laughter in our lives? We don't like joy here. Do you not know that? No, no we don't. <laughs> because it's June, I'm fun because it's Pride Month, I'm fundraising all month long on my Twitch, Lulu underscore Pew for Mermaids. I'm not looking at you as well I'm saying this because I'll just keep laughing. <laughs> and Mermaids is one of the first and the biggest charities in the UK dedicated to providing support for trans transgender and gender diverse kids. Um, so I've been playing all the gay games on my Twitch as per but I've also been having weekly guests. Um, just last night, um, I had Kristen, aka Chucky Sidechick, who also co-hosts a horror podcast called Don't Fuck With The Original. We ranked all of the Life Is Strange characters. It was so much fun. And um, yeah, more weekly guests throughout the month of June and the Just Giving is linked and pinned on my Twitter. So please support if you can and check out the Twitch for just more chaos. If you like chaos, you'll like my Twitch and all. So <laughs> go check it out. Uh, yeah, like uh, Kristen has also been a previous guest on this show with her co-host Becky, uh, Becky Gremlin from the uh, Don't Fuck With The Original podcast. They were on quite a while ago to talk about their top five favourite found footage movies. Um, and it was a really fun episode. Uh, and yeah, we do quite a lot of work with them and things on that on the socials and, and stuff like that. So they're very, very cool people. Uh, the link to the Just Giving will also be going through the chat periodically during the course of this episode. It's also, like you say, on... Lucy's socials on her Twitch and it's uh, it's been going on through our socials as well throughout the month so do go check that out as well. Lindsay! All right, Han. Hello. Hi. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you? I'm at hi it's Lindsay underscore on all social media. See I do kind of like doing it in that order because Lucy's always got some big spiel and then Lindsay's like oh I find me here. Done. Do you know like my big spiel? The, no. Did I say that? Did those <laughs> words come out my mouth? I believe you're putting words in my mouth there, Lucy. Anyways, uh, you can find me on Twitter at ianforrest 12 with two R's. You can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv for, forward slash forest underscore 9191, where I play, I play a whole variety of games from Dark Souls to Subnautica to Hollow Knight to Life is Strange and everything in between. Um, excuse me? <laughs> um, and uh, we will and yeah and we play a whole variety of games so check me out on there uh, you can find the podcast on its socials uh, Twitter at Screams Behind Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok is all at Behind the Screams podcast normally our episodes go up on the podcast on Wednesdays but obviously because we're recording this a day early it's going to go up tomorrow instead um, if that is it is that it for everyone? Everyone got anything else that they want to say? I don't think so. No. Okay, uh, let's move. Let's get into the movie then. And in today's show, we're talking about a little shop of horrors. began in this little shop. Ow! Damn roses! Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happened. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. <laughs> no, it's not. 
Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight, I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy, unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plan? A girl. You don't make a nice voice when you live on Skid Row, Mr. Mushnick. This is my date, my boyfriend. A florist. I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. You have a talent for causing things. Hey, People will pay you me if you I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. And a plant. Me all night long. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Whoa! Catch me now! I'm just a mean, mean brother from outer space and I'm gay. I'm just a mean, mean brother from outer space and it looks like you've been had. Yes! Rick Moranis. Man's a total disgrace to the dental profession. Ellen Green. Excuse me. Excuse me what? That's better. Vincent Gardenia, with special guest appearances by Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill Murray. It's a professionalism that I respect. Little Shop of Horrors. This movie was released in 1986, was directed by Frank Oz and stars Rick Moranis, Ellen Green and Levi Stubbs. The IMDb plot is as follows. A nerdy florist finds his chance for success in romance with the help of a giant man-eating plant who demands to be fed. Okay, um, Lucy, this was your choice for the week and just going to preempt the final ratings for once you've picked something decent. Um, Why did you choose this movie? Well, first off, I pick great movies all the time, and I will Lies. not hear anything otherwise. Lies. Lies. <laughs> I, and I'm just ignoring you right now. The reason I chose this movie is because I bloody love a musical. I can I can hear I can see a lip sync and lies there. I, I'm 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 not blind. But anyway, um, out of all the horror musicals out there, like I think Little Shop of Horrors, like spoiler alert, is one of my favorites. Like the 1986 version, this is such a classic. Like, um, it's so campy and just funny, and um, it's you know it's our first horror musical. I know we're gonna have more coming up, but when I had a look at the list and I saw that, I was like, oh, we have we have to do an episode on that. It's just iconic. It's an absolute classic. So that's why I chose it. Uh, I'm going to assume that this is one that we'd all seen before. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you sometimes, sometimes we well, do yeah, like a really big true. movie, like when we did Candyman and I was like, oh, surely everyone saw Candyman, but no, I was the only one who had seen Candyman. Uh, well, I had seen Candyman. Which had you? Okay. Well, okay. Well, Lindsay hadn't seen Candyman then. It doesn't matter. The, the point, the point, yeah, Lucy, still stands. <laughs> it does. It um, does. But yes, um, so we, we, we'd all seen this before. And you're right, we are going to cover uh, a couple more musicals. We've got a couple more horror musicals on the schedule. Uh, one, I think, is coming up in a couple of months. And then, Lindsay, your one's around Christmas time. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, which thematically will go with the musical that you have chosen. 
Um, and I've probably gone for the other one that's sort of widely considered in those top two, isn't it? Like, um, you know, yeah. so I'm sure I'm sure everyone can maybe decipher from those clues what uh, what those two horror musicals are. I've, I've been a little bit vague, but I think uh, anyone who knows their horror musicals probably knows what we're talking about. Uh, one, one thing I want to do is, and this is something that I actually figured out on the last episode, is that uh, to, to do, uh, spoiler alert for those who are here in the live chat, because I don't drop spoiler alerts for the live audience, and I really should, because we go into some pretty hefty spoilers. Um, so, Wolfie, you don't. Exactly. You know more than one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll uh, pretty happy spoilers about this movie. So yeah, if you haven't seen this movie and you don't want it ruined for you, go away and watch it and come back and check us out uh, on the VOD or on the, on the podcast. So please go and do that. Uh, one thing I want to ask you guys is which version of this movie did you watch? I didn't um, watch... Are you all Lindsay? Oh no, you go. I didn't get, I thought I was watching the original cut and it wasn't the original cut. It was the theatrical release. Okay, so I watched the theatrical director's cut. I don't think there's that much more added. The, the, I mean, the, 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 like, the ending is entirely different. Yeah. <laughs> like completely different. It's yeah. two completely different endings. Yeah. Which ones did you watch? Like the happy ending or the sad ending? So we got, I watched the sad, the, 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 the bad ending. Okay, the one I watched was the the happy one. Same. Were you saying same too, Lizzie? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, like, I got. I got. It's like, was it was it Ian or was it Lindsay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it'll be a mystery. No, I I got I got the happy ending. Okay, but... so it'll be interesting to see um, when we get to that section, like because it it is pretty major differences have you seen both endings or have you only seen the endings that you've seen i've seen both okay but I've not like them. with the film i've just kind of watched it the like on youtube or separate. something yeah. yeah okay we'll get to it when we get to the end of the movie so uh in terms of wolfie says the bad ending is the good ending it depends it just, it just depends on your sort of uh disposition um so one of the questions i think it's it's, it's maybe going to be the toughest question of the whole the whole episode. What's your favorite song from Little Shop of Horrors? <laughs> oh, I thought you both just burst into song at the same time there. I was like, that was so perfect. But no, it was just Lucy. Lucy, do that again. Suddenly, Seymour. Oh, well, that wasn't bad. Lindsay, go on. Take it. Oh. No. no, I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, not. so Lucy, yours is suddenly Seymour. I think so. Somewhere that's green is also really good, but I've been singing suddenly Seymour all day today. It's just stuck it in my head. It is that perfectly like campy. It's like perfectly camp, but like so Broadway at the same time. It's like such a good mesh of them both, and the way like Ellen Green like also sings in her Audrey accent as well it's just amazing it, like the, the songs is, is is there a I don't want to say a bad song but you know like a lot of musicals have like a weaker song do you th what's like the weak song then do you think well what's a song you're like I could maybe do without that or is there just flat out not one I don't think there is one there's nothing that comes comes to mind where I'm like, oh, I wish they didn't have that. 
I think I th- I see. I'm I'm in agreement. I think everything sort of fits its purpose quite well, doesn't it? In this one, eh? the prestigious princess is the dentist song. Now, uh, it's actually funny because uh, <laughs> um, uh, I I think the dentist song might be my favorite. <laughs> I love the dentist song as I, well. Like I, it is hysterical. I don't generally like Steve Martin that much. I don't oh. I don't tend to think I don't th- generally I just don't think he's that funny. Um there's two I think there's two movies that I, I really like him in. One of them is this one and the other one is Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Um because that's a fucking classic. Um so yeah I think the dentist like that 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 scene it's like that two and a half minute scene where he's like torturing his patients and singing the song. I think is just, I think it's one of the best scenes in the whole movie. So funny. I think it's, it's like, if you're not already scared of the dentist, when watching that will make you really not want to go to the dentist. So I, like, Lucy's, you're scared of clowns, right? I also don't like the dentist though. I, my, I, I am, I'm scared of the dentist. I hate the dentist. Absolutely with a passion. They have to like fight me and hold me down, and I bite and spit and all sorts when I'm at the dentist. I actually spat on my dentist as a child. I kicked my dentist in the balls as a child, and he gave me chocolate stars after. <laughs> I bet he was fucking seeing chocolate stars after that. <laughs> He's like, "Oh bless you, here you go." But that see see the bit in in that that song where you hear the squeaking when he's putting. Oh, the it's the kid, isn't it? It's the kid, mm-hmm. and he's like, I don't know if he's like pulling out a tooth or if he's like tightening his braces or something. But that kid screams is like amazing as well. That kid's like fucking yeah. screaming for the back row. Um, Wolfie brings up a good point. Like, how, uh, the favorite part is when it came to the dentist was Bill Murray and his cameo being like a sadomasochist. And that is one of the funniest <laughs> parts of the film, especially because like Auden gets so raging as well because he's enjoying it so much. It's so funny. I think that's absolutely hilarious. And like, I think I think this is the only film that Steve Martin and Bill Murray have actually appeared in together. Which is quite wow. like when you think about it, it's quite surprising considering the sort of they kind of run in very similar circles, don't they? In terms of yeah. that whole sort of comedy circuit, and uh, yeah, they they and Bill Murray had no script for this, so I'm just giving you the trivia now. Bill Murray had no script for this, so <laughs> oh, they they they, they directed him and told him what they wanted him to do, mm. but he had no script and he could just say whatever he wanted. And I think if anyone's going to be able to pull that off, it's Bill Murray, right? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. You got control of your mic there, Lindsay. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know that you can't do anything on camera without me calling you out. It's just no. It's just no possible. <laughs> um, so yeah, like that whole sequence um, to me, and then even even afterwards, and I know we're jumping straight into the middle of the movie here, and we will go back to the earlier stuff as well that whole sequence and even at the end once he pulls uh seymour in and he's like got this big contraption on his face and he dies of an overdose even that's funny yeah it is it's just so like ridiculous like ott like pantomime villain-esque well that's what well that's one of the one of the things i would say because obviously this 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 movie a lot of people say it's a remake of the 60s. It's technically not. This is uh, this is based off of the off-Broadway play, 
which yeah. was based off the movie. So this this movie is technically not based off the 60s. It's based off the off-Broadway play. And it just has that... It's, even though this is like the, the official movie and it had a massive budget, it still has that kind of school play feel, doesn't it? Mm. It definitely does. The way they move around the set and like Ellen Green played Audrey off Broadway as well. And you can tell that straight away, like the way she plays Audrey and the voice and everything. It, it, it's very. If, the, if they were going to remake this, there's only one person I think they could cast as Audrey. Just based purely off the voice. It's Jennifer Tilly. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. iconic. <laughs> like, that would just be chef's kiss um but like she has that very very distinctive uh, accent i know someone in the chat says what accent she has about five of them <laughs> but the thing is like i feel like the 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 sort of i don't want to say amateurness of it because it's not it's full of very very professional actors who are very very good at their craft and it's a very well-made movie but i feel like um that sort of almost amateurish feel to it that they they have purposefully put in there really does add to its charm doesn't it definitely there's something very like tongue-in-cheek about the whole thing that yeah. doesn't doesn't yeah. take itself seriously no and i think and i think you've got the perfect cast to do that because now we're like we've just spoken about steve martin who's someone who's you know a very very famous comedic actor bill murray who made the cameo but rick Moranis is someone who's but who at this point in 86 was kind of like in his in his prime wasn't he and he's someone who's very well known for being a big comedic actor he'd already done things like ghostbusters he directs that was 84 i want to say was ghostbusters mm-hmm. i think he done had he already done space balls at this point i'm not sure um but he also had done things like honey i shrunk the kids and he was kind of everywhere in the sort of mid 80s wasn't he and then obviously he had a family tragedy and and quit acting and that's only sort of added to his sort of good guy persona isn't it that rick moranis is just generally a a, a really um good guy and you're right prestigious princess in the chat brings up john candy who obviously has a very minor role in this but again someone who doesn't take themselves too seriously who was a big comedic actor could do serious stuff as well though um and obviously plays a small part in this film too so i I think they got the casting spot on for the sort of feeling and the vibe that they were going for yeah can i just say as somebody that doesn't usually like men rick moranis as seymour is kind of hitting different i'm not gonna lie he's a bit of a daddy i was like hello a thousand percent agree (laughs) It's the sweater vest. I Wet don't floor know. sign alert. <laughs> Wet floor it's, sign alert. I don't know. It's, it's the singing. It does things to me. Mm-hmm. But. but the thing is as well, and I'm already ruining some of my trivia, but it's all of their own singing voices as well. Mm. Like that's every, every, obviously for the actual scenes, they mind to their own voice, but it is all them singing the songs, which I think is incredible. Like the voice on Alan Green is amazing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so Rick Moranis, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. No Steve Martin doing it for you, no? No. Nah. nah. No. I mean, see, I've got a few things that like immediately are like swipe left on dating apps. And <laughs> is, is it really? Uh-huh. Why? 
I don't want anybody like looking in my mouth and be like, oh, you need to check up. Like, it's, it's a no from me. So, is it is it is it like is it the same for gynecologists for the same reason? They don't tend to advertise, but what 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 about uh, you, Lucy? Anyone else in this movie? We might as well just go straight to the thirst traps. Uh, let's. Uh, who's floating your boat aside from Mister Mish- Mister Mishnick? It's usually it's just all the women, but nobody. It's we've, just Rick. Well, we've only really got Ellen Green in this movie. I know, obviously, you've got the the singers as well, uh, but in terms of like actual plotline characters, it's it's only uh, Audrey, Audrey, isn't it? Mm. Pretty much. Don't get me wrong. Audrey is fantastic in this, and she she is stunning. And like, and her outfits in this are amazing. But I, I don't know. It's just it's the glasses. It's the sweater vests. It's just it <laughs> does something to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I wonder what's oh. in. I wonder what's in Wookie's wardrobe. <laughs> just. <laughs> Didn't rows judge me. and rows of sweater vests <laughs> <laughs> okay then so um has anyone seen this on like a play or a, in the theater it's on my bucket list though this is one of the ones i really want to go see this and beetlejuice the musical i but I'm not, i have heard of like some stage productions of this near the end where um Audrey too like the branches actually go into the audience and stuff like that in the front oh rows and I was like I would love that um so no I've not seen it but I would love to see it I've not seen like the the, the proper like Broadway but I have seen an Aberdeen performing arts uh <laughs> version of it at the Tivoli Theatre here and you know what it was actually really really good they had like a full-on mechanical Audrey too um and it was actually really really good and it was a load and it was loads and loads of fun and i do highly recommend anyone who has a chance to see the show even if it is just you know maybe a, a much smaller production to to go and check it out because it's um it's just one of those things isn't it like we've we've kind of been sort of dancing around it every song is so catchy you know you've you, t- you talked to lucy about beforehand about suddenly seymour being stuck in your head for the entirety of the day but um so many of these songs um (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking about that when i was watching the film i bet you fucking were you dirty not Uh, like that (laughs) (laughs) it's all that tentacle porns (laughs) oh no me alone Nobody needs to know about the other shit that comes out of my mouth, not on podcasts, okay? Okay, okay, okay. I was gonna, and I was like, should I? No, I'm not going to. I'm no, gonna... just don't. I embarrass myself <laughs> enough, Lucy, but I don't need any help. Also, Lucy, if you think, should I? It's like, it's okay, Ian's about to. <laughs> well, <this is> true. <laughs> um, okay, so sh- sh- maybe we should uh, go over the plot a little bit here, uh, right? Yeah, that would help. <laughs> uh, well, fucking hell, all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Lindsay, you're that desperate to change the subject, eh? You showed yourself, right? You showed your two colours there, Lindsay. (laughs) Showed yourself right up. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got um, uh, we've got Seymour and Audrey who work for Mr. Mushnick, who owns a flower store. Uh, This flower store is not doing well. This flower store doesn't have flowers. 
Like, if you, if you looked around the seat... That might be the biggest problem. Like, you said, they're going, ah, we've got no customers, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to try and do the accent. So it would come across as highly offensive. Um, but there's literally no flowers in this shop, right? Did I miss them? No. It just looks so dire from the outside. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to go in there at the start of the movie. You wouldn't, would you? Um, and then... So Audrey's late for work and she comes in and she's got a black eye straight off the bat. And this is one of the sort of big themes of this movie, like the big undercurrents running through this movie is the fact that Audrey's getting beaten about, isn't she, by uh, Steve Martin, whose name I can never... Oren. Is it Oren? Oren. And we we, we see it happen. We see it happening in Shadow um, later in the movie, but he basically gives her a black eye. Does he break her arm or is it just like, because she's she like puts her arm in like a sort of homemade cast, doesn't she? I think it's. Yeah. Um, I think no, it is broken. Oh, is it? Um, like in the other productions, I've seen other pictures of Ellen Green. She actually wears something a bit more proper, like on the stage. But in the film, it's like this mesh thing. It's like almost like fishnets. I've got it in my notes as she's using fishnets as a cast. Yeah. yeah. Her shoulder falls out. Wolfie's saying the shoulder falls out the socket because she falls off the bike. That like I, d- I don't know. Like last scene later on where Steve Martin like um, arrives and then you just see her come running after it because I didn't know whether to laugh or not at that scene because the visual of it is quite amusing. That oh he felt she fell off the bike and he just didn't stop for her, you know, and kept going. So there she is running, but it's 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 not good. How like I know we've got this storyline to give us an excuse to justify Seymour. Well, Seymour doesn't kill uh, Oren, obviously. Oren dies of a, of a laughing gas overdose. Um, but to justify Seymour feeding Oren to uh, Audrey too. But how did you feel about that, watching it on screen? What the... Just the theme, just the fact that, you know, we had to see... Audrey getting beaten about, the fact we knew, knew that Oren has break, broken her arm, was, you know, dislocating shoulders and all of that stuff. There's, like, this film, in loads of ways, it's, like, very light and campy. It's like, oh, it's, like, sing-along fun, like, oh, and, you know, like, a giant puppet um, plant and stuff. But there's loads of dark themes in this, from, like, the domestic abuse and you see like how run down the area is. It's like clearly very forgotten about. There's rubbish everywhere. It's just like dank and dirty and gross. And the people there are forgotten about, like the three uh, girl characters who are like the singing narrators, like talk about how they drop out of school to get jobs because there's no point in an education. So there's like, loads of dark themes in this film which I think is good because it gives it a bit more weight it gives you that thing to take seriously because mm-hmm. I don't because on the other side of it like it's a film from the 80s set in the 60s this could have aged terribly and it hasn't at all yeah yeah that, that that's sort of what I was trying to get your opinion of there it was like how, how do you think it sort of comes across now as well in a 2021 lens because like you say how many times have you watched something from the 1980s that you think, oh, that's that's really not aged good? Sorry, Lucy, I, I cut across you there. 
No, no, it's it's all right. I'm kind. Of, I'm in agreement. This film is very funny and lighthearted and campy, but I think it feeds in those darker themes pretty well. Like you said, Lindsay, it's it's based. Well, it's based in the sixties. It was made in nineteen eighty six. However, I mean, I do think they could have taken it further. Looking at it at a twenty twenty one lens, they could have developed that domestic abuse storyline more. However he does get his comeuppance and considering how when it was made at the time it has aged well like I, I don't feel uncomfy from it and there is a lot of musicals out there and a lot of theatre productions that do try and weave in those darker themes especially from this era and um, don't do it with the greatest sensitivity and it you know a lot of the abusers tend to not get their comeuppance. So I actually think that they did this pretty well. And you're right as well. I think it highlights, it, it does put a point there about classism and poverty at the time as well. Um, you know, in, in big cities and like you say, it's it's quite a realistic representation. And it's that juxtaposition of here's these really fun campy songs, but also they're, they're living on these like really dangerous streets where there's like rubbish everywhere. And like, you know, the uh, education is lacking and resourcing isn't there so I think, I, think, they, I think they did it good I think one of the other good things about the whole like DV storyline in the film is that they focus a lot on Audrey and mm-hmm. how she has like really low self-esteem and why somebody would potentially stay in those relationships because it's so easy from the outside being like oh he's knocking you about or she's knocking you about just leave them but it's not as easy as that um when someone has like such poor self-esteem um and other things that might have happened in their lives as well so I think that was good to like highlight that as well 100% we talked about that in the invisible man as Mm. well you know toxic relationships or you could even say about like I don't know midsummer there's a variety of movies we've talked about like outside looking in you don't know what's going on and I think it's quite interesting because when you look at Audrey from the outset, you see this very glamorous woman and like she's made up to the nines every time. But that doesn't mean that she feels great about herself. You know, she you can still have very low self-esteem. What you present to the outside world isn't always what's going on internally. Exactly. So I mean, like, look at me. I look absolutely fabulous, but sometimes <laughs> inside I'm not, I don't feel so good. <laughs> um, Prestigious Princess just points out that they're obviously... Yeah, they're they're living in they're living in nineteen sixties schedule, which is up, which is where the homeless people were. It's where your drug addicts were, alcoholics, people who maybe had lost their jobs and had poor education. So that's that's um that's definitely where where it's at with that. One of the things I really like about this this is because how many times have we watched this kind of rhetoric on film or on TV? Not it doesn't have to be in musicals, but um where a guy is crushing on a, a lady or or another guy or whatever um and he's like madly in love with them but they're with someone else and the storyline is the assumption that well why wouldn't she go with me because i'm just a better guy in general and it's like just because she didn't go with that guy doesn't mean she's going to go with you you know like just because you're a nicer guy than him doesn't give you any sort of right to that person but what I like they did about this film is that they also showed that Audrey was also in love with Seymour really early on, because otherwise I feel like that would have aged quite poorly. Mm. If you if, if you if you get what I mean. 
That's true, actually, because you do see that a lot, especially it's not always, but a lot of the time it is a guy that is in love with, a, you know, a woman that's with some with another guy. And it's it, she's almost treated like a chess piece. It's like a piece of property and the kind of like I, I, I want to have you and somebody else has you. So I think um, showing that Audrey is also in love with Seymour. It's not just, you know, Seymour is, a, you know, in love with her and she doesn't get a say. I think that's, I've never thought of that actually, but yeah, that's a pretty good point to make. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm giving you a compliment. Take uh, it. That's for fucking once. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think with Seymour, uh, Prestigious Princess, I think with Seymour, it's more, I want you, but I can't give you what this man can. Um, well, I mean, all all that uh, Audrey got was a black eye and a broken arm. So I think I think Seymour can do a bit better than that. But, um, but yeah, again, as well, it's that whole thing about, well, treating women like they're only materialistic and only like only with people because they drive nice cars and they, they are motorbikes in this case and, and have money and have really good paying jobs and not so much women wanting to be with people because their personalities match perhaps like got cherished like god forbid that people get together because they have good they have matching personalities or because you know you don't you don't even need to have matching personalities god forbid that people just get with other people because they want to Shock horror. Um, what I, I um, what I'm, I want to quickly bring it back on is when you guys were talking about how some things haven't aged well. If you look at some other musicals, not necessarily horror musicals, but things like, for example, it comes straight to my head, Grease. Mm. How many of the songs in Grease have really aged poorly? A fair few. Like, I still love Grease, but it's very of its time with some of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh look a wild pebbles has appeared yes <laughs> for oh, her, look at her. for her weekly say on the podcast for those listening on the download pebbles is, is lucy's cat yes <laughs> or one of lucy's cats um so yeah um i i was really pleased when i rewatched this because I, I obviously i was like you guys i'd seen this before but i hadn't watched it probably for quite a few years at this point it's not something that i tend to regularly watch in my rotation not for any other reason other than it just never really pops up for me um so i was quite pleasantly surprised when i went back and rewatched it that i was like you know what a lot of this has aged pretty well to be honest with you or as or as well as it could have um which i think was a particularly pleasing thing for me when i was watching it uh so yeah, like we say, I mean that was a pretty big conversation about just that opening scene. <laughs> so basically, um, Seymour then reveals that he had he had been working on this plant. Seymour's been working uh, sort of down in the basement where he lives because Seymour also lives in the shop, and we find out later that Seymour was was he in an orphanage or something and. And Mr. Mishnik took him in and, and sort of brought him up. So it's almost a very much father and son type uh, relationship that they have, which makes the scene at the end where, where Mushnik uh, pops his clogs um, a little bit more sort of emotional or just a little bit more hard hitting than it might have done, especially when you're trying to think of it from the sort of perspective of, of Seymour. Because I don't know about you, and if any of my bosses are listening, Take this how, how, how you will. Um, but, uh, oh, 
if one of my bosses was to get eaten by an Audrey 2 plant, I'd just be like... <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Savage, but Lindsay's little guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, it's... it's They've got. They've obviously got that that relationship, um, but we find out that he's he's been taking, he's been buying cuttings from uh, is it Chinatown that he buys them from or a Chinese flower shop, mm-hmm. um, and we obviously see that it's actually um, uh, uh, extraterrestrial. You know, we see during a, a total eclipse of the sun, you know, he gets these bizarre cuttings, and you get the little the little baby Audrey too, which is very cute very cute so adorable like i've actually re-watching this i was like that would make the cutest tattoo little audrey and like the coffee can they all i just want i don't know if they do them already but i think that would make like uh uh <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you after the show nico um i would like a little like pop final of that like a little pop final just to sit because not that i collect like pop finals but i have a couple um little michael myers um oh. but yeah i think it would make really cool little like little things like that wouldn't it you could make some really cool stuff with that little baby audrey too um and eventually so they put it in the window and then you get that scene with that awkward cust that first customer who comes in ha- this scene i was pissing myself laughing at this scene it's so good it's just like it's it's the same, like, that's the voice I would put on if I was being, like, sarcastic about something, isn't it? <laughs> like, Lindsay, what do you think of it? Yeah, it's just so funny, because, like, Mishnick and Audrey are just kind of like, is this really, you know, you can see on their face, is this really going to bring customers in? And, and the first person comes in says exactly about this, like, strange and unusual-looking plant, and then orders a hundred roses... I remember watching it and I was like, oh, there's, there's no flowers in this shop. <laughs> like, where are they getting a hundred roses from? A hundred dollars worth of roses, rather. You know what it is? It's that scene slightly later on where they're like, oh, quick, emergency funeral arrangement. And they put five lilies in a brown paper bag. Hugs the glitter. It's like. And she's like proper, like looking at it and she's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i decorate <laughs> that's it that's it uh jamie uh he goes can you break a 50 no well i better buy double then <laughs> it's like it's exactly what they want isn't it so mm. and then we sort of get a montage as well of other people sort of coming in and being like oh what's that strange and unusual plant in your window uh, and they start to pile in but audrey 2 is sick as well and we we figure out that um Audrey 2 eats blood. We obviously get a bit of a song where, um, is it here we get a song where he's say, uh, Seymour singing about what he's tried to do to feed Audrey, or yeah. is that late? Audrey 2? Is that here? I couldn't remember yeah, if it was it, here yeah, or Yeah, it's here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It goes like, what do you want me to do? Cut open a vein. And the plant's like, hmm? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I love that even then this wee Audrey plant has such a personality like even when the plant like turns its nose up at everything else like <laughs> no that ain't good enough for me well, well that's kind of what that's kind of where I was going next because we've talked a bit about Audrey and Seymour and Mushnik and Oren and things like that we've not talked about Audrey too yet of course who's voiced by Levi Stubbs who was in the four tops um but it's possibly the uh, the biggest character in the entire movie. Mm. Did you? How did you feel about the just sort of overall voice performance and the performance of? You've kind of touched on it there, Lucy, of the the operators. The voice performance is outstanding, and I think like I know we've spoken about this before. It goes to show that practical effects stand the test of time because this puppeteering. And I know you'll probably have loads of trivia on it. Still to this day looks stunning, especially like the last kind of two phases where Audrey 2 is growing and then you get like the sing-along and even when Audrey 2 like opens opens the mouth and like, oh, it's just so good. It's chef's kiss. So good. No, no pressure on me there to have some good trivia on Audrey 2. I, I'm expecting many a trivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy, what did you, uh, Lucy, yeah, for the answer. <laughs> Lindsay, what did you think of the over? I've not done that for a while. I've not done that for a while. Lindsay, what did you think of the the performance of everyone involved with Audrey Two? Um, no, it was great. Like I agree with Lucy. Um, it's just that way as well. You you see like how well they do like moving this puppet around, and it's it's almost like unclockable. And you just know if they made it today, it would be this CGI catastrophe. And um, it's like films like this that folk need to realise why practical effects are better like 95% of the time because it would not have been the same with a CGI Audrey 2. Listen, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes there's a time and a place for CGI. I, I personally think, you know, in general, use practical effects and then just touch things up with CGI. I think that's generally where you'll find the best sort of use of it one of the best examples i think of cgi is is jurassic park where they 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 used a blend of real animatronics with with cgi moments and if you watch that film now and that film was what 1997 is is it not like three 1993 yeah you could be right Um, so that film's almost 30 years old and you look at it now and you think that still looks almost flawless Mm. you know so Mm -hmm. those are the kinds of instances i think you know where you're maybe got something that's maybe a little bit too grand but you use like animatronics and puppetry and 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 practical effects where you can and then improve upon it with cgi and i think Mm. that's there is a time and a place for that but you're right like can you imagine watching a movie that's got just a purely cgi'd um a purely cgi'd audrey 2 I think the only like pure, pretty much purely CGI film that I love is things like Lord of the Rings. But even then, you look at them now and the, 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 the cracks are starting to show in them already. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, I will love those movies till the, the end of time. I will love them until the end of time. Part, some of my favourite movies. But you look at some of the CGI, especially in The Fellowship, and Lucy, you can give me that look all you want, but you know <laughs> I'm right. You know I'm right. Especially in The Fellowship, um, the, the cracks are starting to show just a little bit so um, but so yeah but uh, yeah I think the, the the use of the animatronic here the operation the operators Levi Stubbs's voice Levi Stubbs voice is just like perfect for this mm. as well 
so good and especially like the feed me song and everything like that yeah. is so good and it's just like he's completely sassy as hell as well and i think it just all fits so perfectly and it just goes to that that whole sort of casting thing again doesn't it like we've talked about the casting of um you know seymour and the casting of audrey and, and things like that and even you know uh Oren. and then you know the casting of Levi Levi Stubbs as as Audrey too is, is, is a bit of a stroke of genius, really, isn't it? Because not a career actor, you know, a, a singer, and obviously I know it's it's singers and movies kind of gone hand in hand for a very very long time, but not someone who you know you were you would traditionally associate with movies. So that's that scene where. We, we sort of find out what what Audrey 2 is all about in terms of what they what they feed them um we get this bizarre scene where uh, Seymour is sent to take Audrey 2 onto radio to advertise the store <laughs> and this whole concept of come to the radio station and bring your weird and wonderful things where no one can see them <laughs> kind of just was mind-boggling did you also clock the radio host i was like that's uncle buck he's also from home alone he's, like, he's, he's, yeah it's john candy from yeah. okay. oh, i didn't i didn't know that i was like oh it's uncle buck oh <laughs> me and Lindsay are sitting here like uh yeah that's john <laughs> no, i didn't i didn't realize that one when, when i also in planes trains and automobiles which i mentioned earlier with steve martin it's also oh, in things like cool run-ins uncle buck yeah um just John Candy uh, is possibly one of my favorite comedic actors. Like he's just, he's just got this. Um, I, I I know Nico. I know radio was king in the sixties, but the just whole concepts just baffling to me. Um, John Candy is possibly one of my favorite comedic actors. I think ever. He's just so likable, isn't he? Mm. Like, oh yes. yeah. Something about him that makes you wish that you know he was your uncle or or something yeah. like that. Eh? Um, we also get this scene where Audrey is like trying to take Audrey too. Sorry, is trying to take a chunk out of this radio assistant lass's but uh, arse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but she's like, does anyone stand like that? If you ever, if you ever stood like that, where you're just like, oh, look at my bum. I do that in the club. <laughs> I was doing that on Saturday. Do you do it at work? <laughs> No, what from home, not in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, yes, Jamie. That's how I stand in class. Wow. Lindsay, have you ever stood like that at work? Um, at work, no. I'll do everything possible not to get out of my chair at work. <laughs> I'll do I'm everything possible. Lazy as fuck. <laughs> get, I'll do everything possible not to get out of my chair at home. <laughs> Nico, I've seen you working, at least in your, your evening time job. I've seen I've seen you working, so don't give me that. Um, but yeah, like again, just the whole sort of concept and visuals of this scene, just incredibly funny, isn't it? And you know we talked we've talked already about some of the more serious themes that this movie does talk does does go into, but every almost every single scene has something that's just just so amusing to either look at or to hear or whatever or you know like I think it was Jamie that mentioned it earlier when you know that scene with the blood it's quite a sinister scene but then you've got Audrey too making those sort of kissing noises you know that little 
ASMR there for you. So yeah, like I just feel like almost every scene in this movie has something pretty funny. Uh, this is the point where we get somewhere that's green. Uh, I don't know if you guys are, are, are watch it, Varric. I've not watched it for a very long time. But all it ever makes me think of is the parody that Family Guy did of this with with Herbert the pervert. I oh God, watched yeah. this last night with like two people who hadn't seen it before. And when this scene came up, I was like looking at them because I knew that they were like big Family Guy fans and like waiting for the penny to drop. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it did, they were just laughing so much because it's like, it's lyric for lyric. And what, exactly what's, what guys were like, because I, I, I'm very, very hit or miss with Family Guy, especially like even back in the day when it was like super popular, I was a bit hit or miss with it. Um, and I've, I've not watched it for a very long time now. But even like back then, I remember just thinking that that, that is so perfect. <laughs> like such a perfect part. Have you seen it, Lucy? Oh, I? Oh, right. no, no, I, was, I wasn't sure. I wasn't I sure. Was going to break into song, but I was like, I've already broken into song already. Don't want to <clears> I, I, no one wants to hear my my impersonation of Herbert the pervert. I might. Oh no, I, I was going to do the original. I was not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> might get this podcast shut down. So, um, <laughs> yes, can't you've missed you've missed the song. No one clipped it either. No one clipped it. Oh, got it. I maybe have to go and search for it myself uh, tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that's that's somewhere that's green's probably one of the more well-known songs from this movie, isn't it? You'd say like suddenly Seymour, you'd say somewhere that's green. There's another one that's escaping me. I think Feed Me is kind of iconic. Feed in all Me is probably well. the other one that I was I was kind of thinking of. I know I was saying and we were talking about how much we love the dentist song, but I feel like um, those three are probably the three that are was, most. Um, was Mean Green Mother not um, nominated for? best original song yeah the oscars that year i'm gonna have no fucking trivia left at this rate i'll just not talk <laughs> chance would be a fine fucking thing <laughs> oh dear um so we carry on because we've already kind of talked about the scenes that are coming up. This is where we get introduced to Oran. This is where we get the dentist scene. Um, we could talk about it again because it's that funny, but we, we probably shouldn't uh, go over it in great detail again. Although there is one thing I want to talk about again with the dentist scene. The part where he just fucking leathers the assistant. Oh my God. <laughs> Big knocks I kind of, I'm in. not going to lie, I'd kind of forgotten about it and it took me off guard. You know, sometimes when things just take you off guard a little bit and I'm just like, I just watched it today and I was like, oh, he just fucking punched her in the face, like full on square in the jaw. Oh, I Like, holy shit. I was like, oh, I'm going to get away with that. Couldn't get away with that, eh? Absolutely no. not. Like, at least the one after it, he just opens the door and she's standing behind it. You could sort of pass that off as, like... Oops. Didn't I see you there? But the first one, he just walks right up to her. It's like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's one of those things. I didn't know whether to laugh or be shocked. Um, Wolfie says he didn't want to clip that, that part because in case you were self-conscious, just go back, Wolfie, and clip it. It's fine. Oh, no. I, I know I sound like a dying dog when I sing. It's all right. I've subjected to many karaoke that's nights. That's offensive to dying dogs. 
shade. I mean, true though, true. It's fine. <laughs> I get the fantasy. So we also, um, so once the dentist scene has passed and obviously Oren has, kill, has, has killed himself essentially with laughing gas, Seymour decides to take his body back to the store chop him up into little pieces to feed to Audrey too. But Mr. Mushnik sees him chopping up the body and uh, later on will confront him about the fact that he sees it. And he, this is the thing, like, Mr. Mushnik is pretending to be all high and mighty about it and then suddenly just like, well, actually, no, you can just leave now and I'll get all the fame and fortune. So Mr. Mushnik was a dick all along. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. But like, I feel like in the in the first few scenes and that, yeah, obviously he comes across as a dick, but he's also like seems to care. You know, he shows a bit of concern for Audrey, even though he's a bit mean to her. Um, you know, and he's obviously this fatherly figure to Seymour as well. So was this? I, I know I know it's difficult to say whether or not because it was such a long time ago. But is this something that you maybe like saw coming? This sort of this sort of heel twist, if you will. I don't know because you can kind of at first be like oh maybe that's just his way like I do feel like there is a slightly older brand of parenting what we call it where you should be grateful for the food and shelter that you had and anything else is a bonus but like I don't like it's just not good enough really is it and I don't think it was back then either like he just kind of uses uh, Seymour for his like love and knowledge of plants to try and better his business. Like he's free labor essentially. Um, so yeah, I don't think he really gave a shit about Seymour at all. No, and bless poor Seymour. There's like a scene I can't remember which scene it is, but he's sitting with Audrey and he's like, "I'm so grateful I get like every other Sunday off." He works in like a bloody dog. And like you say, it's uh, you get that kind of parenting even now mm. uh, where people are like, well, you don't have to have brought them into the world, but it's like, I feed you and I clothe you, therefore I own you. You should be grateful for everything. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> I think there's some higher standards than that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask for this. Thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't ask for you to pump somebody. I know two people had sex in the 90s and now I need to pay bills. Great. The audacity. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I was just uh, I just found it it was one of the sort of weird moments because up until this point, each character, and I don't want to say they were like one-dimensional because they weren't, but each character was on a path, weren't they, for the entire movie. And they didn't mm -hmm. really deviate from that path. Like they didn't deviate in terms of their characteristics, how they behaved. But this was the one time where we did kind of get that change, wasn't it? You know, because, um, you know, Seymour is Seymour throughout the movie. Audrey is Audrey. Oran was Oran, you know, but Mr. Mushnik changed. And so I thought that was quite an interesting thing. It was something that, you know, I wanted to bring up with you guys. Um. So yes, um, after this, Seymour is ob Seymour obviously falls heir to the Mushnik store. Um, he's the only person who knows about Audrey too, the only person who knows how to feed the plant, um, but is getting all of the fame. And this is another thing. This is another one of those sort of commentaries I think this film is making because Seymour's getting all the fame. He's getting all the money, but is deeply, deeply unhappy in his life, isn't he? And 
I think that's a good comment that this movie is making about, you know, you can have fame and power and money. And don't get me wrong, money definitely takes the sting out of being poor, but it's not everything. I think the movie's trying to tell us that. What do you think? I mean, money does bring you opportunities and, you know, money does bring you a lot of things, but it doesn't bring you happiness at the end of the day. Um, so that is quite, that's quite a good statement it's making, especially, you know, considering that this film is based in a poverty-ridden area where money, in, you know, is valued probably above a lot of things. I mean, it is in the olive world anyway, you know. Um but that, that's true. It's more on the fame side as well. Fame definitely does not necessarily bring you um, happiness. Notoriety doesn't bring you happiness either. I, th- I, think, I think more from the fame side, because you're right, you know, money, if you are poor, and trust me, I have been poor many times and still am poor, subscribe to this channel, uh, <laughs> still am poor. But, you know, like you say, money having enough money to know that your bills are paid, having enough money to put food in your table, having enough money to put clothes in your back, that is a form of happiness. And I don't, like, money does bring you that. But fame definitely doesn't, you know? Um, so what do you think, Lindsay, about about this whole sort of statement? Um, yeah, I think it is um, good, because I think ultimately for both Seymour and Audrey, the thing that makes them happiest is when they get together like Audrey thinks that oh she needs the security of a rich man and even though she's with someone who will beat her she thinks it's better than living on her own and just living off the wages that she gets from the florist and similarly Seymour thinks that he, he if he gets money he will be so much happier and then he can leave Skid Row but then it's ultimately when him and Audrey confess their feelings for each other that he's really happy so yeah I think that is a good statement to make because of course like money gives you security um but all the fame and the trouble that come with the money doesn't necessarily do that yeah yeah no I agree I agree with both yous um you know and I think I think most people would agree with that wouldn't they most people you know Obviously, society is driven by money and money, like you say, to an extent, gives you that opportunity, gives you the security. But, you know, there's a lot more to life than than, than that, isn't there? So um, we then get this scene where Audrey 2 learns how to use the phone. <laughs> and I love this scene. I love the fact that obviously it calls Audrey at home and it's like, Tentacles is like tapping on the glass. I like when he puts the phone down that he checks to see if there's any change that's like <laughs> that's came out. Like that that to me was just hilarious. The little the, the little nuances there. It's also like shed Elder 2 has shed the shed its its pot at this point as well. It's broken <laughs> free from the thing that's sort of keeping it stationary and can now move itself around. Um and then Audrey to so this is I think where our endings begin to differ. Yes. So what happens to Audrey for you guys? In the happy ending, the the one that they had to release because of backlash, um, Audrey Audrey dies, 
and um, you have this really happy scene at the end with not Audrey too, sorry, not Audrey. <laughs> I was getting confused there. Happy Audrey. ending? <laughs> Audrey too dies, and then you get this like really nice scene at the end with Audrey and Seymour, you know, that they're married and they're like, what? Because we have that really, we haven't talked about this, that dream sequence that Audrey has where she's got like, and it's almost like Disney-esque because there's the little animation of the birds and stuff and she dreams of like this home and kids and you have this really cutesy scene at the end. It's very Snow White, isn't it? You know, when she's singing to the birds. Um, And again, going by, I know I've brought it up already, but that's exactly what they do in Family Guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they do. (laughs) It's so good. Um, So this is definitely where we differ because in the ending that I watched uh, most recently, Audrey gets eaten by Audrey 2. Seymour then goes to the roof of the building and threatens to jump off is then confronted by a salesman who has taken his own clippings of Audrey and is starting to grow his, his own little Audrey twos to sell throughout the world. Um, Seymour then sacrifices himself to Audrey too. And we get this like eight minute long scene with no like no dialogue apart from some people shouting of the Audrey twos taking over the world. And, and that's it, that's the end of the movie. So obviously two very, very different endings here. There's also this, there's this weird scene where um, there's very, there's a very sexual over under undercurrent in this movie. Like um, Audrey's constantly being asked by Oran, did you bring the handcuffs? Mm, and yeah. there's this scene at the end, like uh, Audrey too has tried to eat Audrey, but Seymour managed to save her, but she's too badly hurt and, you know, she goes on to die. And there's this scene where she goes, oh, Seymour, you've never done anything terrible to me, but I want you to. And then she pauses and then goes, and then she means when I die, feed me to Audrey too. But there's like a big pause in there. <laughs> it's just like this, there's, there's, there's such a sexual undercurrent throughout this entire movie that I think that's quite funny as well. Audrey, Audrey is the ultimate sub (laughs) (laughs) um so which of the two endings do you prefer i know Lindsay, you said you've not really seen the second ending in the context of at the same time as the movie yeah um but i don't know because i kind of like them both like i love that seymour and audrey get a happy ending but then if i'm honest the ending is one of the things with this film where i'm like i can remember everything that happens and then i'm like oh wait a minute what happens at the end because it's so rushed the happy ending and we just kind of we got all the lead up to well something happening at the end and then all of a sudden like Audrey 2 has been evaporated and then they're married and that's and there you go that's the end um but the other the other ending is so much more exciting and dynamic so much more memorable like that's the one the director wanted at the end of the day um and it gives a bit of context as to why Audrey 2 was even at the Chinese market in the first place do you know that way so it's hard because I, I like them both I want Audrey and Seymour to have a happy ending but this other ending does seem so much better 
it's just saw as well like you it's just like you say it's just a bit more exciting you know you get to see audrey 2 on the statue of liberty and audrey 2 you know fighting with the military and mm. you know and this ending is it's about 10 minutes longer than uh, so you actually get about an extra 10 minutes worth of film it also this is probably going to be your trivia too it also swallowed up a huge amount of the budget oh, this like awesome. alternative ending yeah mm-hmm. it was like a fifth of the original budget was to shoot this original ending for them to not use it <laughs> i would have been so pissed after all of that i mean it's just it's just studios interfering mm. isn't it like how many times have we said it you know studios and i feel like uh production companies like a24 are quite good at this at just letting their director go with it and what mm. the director's vision is like you've seen that on things like lighthouse and 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 uh the witch it was the witch a24 i can't remember um but um yeah i feel like too many studios try and you know interfere a little bit too much uh lucy which ending do you prefer i am not on the fence on this one um i mean i know because i i can sometimes be on the fence but no i much prefer the original ending that was intended i think that i i get it okay because like we said, there is dark themes in in this movie, but the overall tone of Little Shop of Horrors, well, from this ending, is like happy and upbeat and campy, but I feel like you miss, like you said, so much in that happy ending. It's so rushed. And like the original ending is much more true to to the off-Broadway production as well. And I just... It's not that as well, like, we've talked about it already in the movie. The, the, the tone of this movie is not actually a happy, campy one. We've talked about no. there being happy, campy, like, songs, which are iconic and catchy and things like that, but the themes that they deal with are not. So I don't think that happy ending fits with the movie at all. Uh, and I think the people in the chat are agreeing with us. Prestigious Princess is the 86 ending because it has a cliffhanger. Again, you know, mm-hmm. had they decided at some point, let's do something else with it, then that's there. But obviously with that end, with the, the, the Reeve shot ending, that's not a possibility. Wolfie says they prefer the plant ending, if you will. Feels more epic. Um, I like the different scenes of plants taking over all the buildings and the choir singing in the background. So, you know, like you say, it's a bit more dramatic. It just leaves more of an impression doesn't it? And it's not as if we haven't had any deaths yet. We've seen Audrey 2 munching on two bodies already. Like, it's not like it's anything new. I know, like... Well, I mean, if you've watched the dark ending, you've seen him munch on three, because he's munched on Seymour as well. Um, But... Oh, I've, I've lost my train of thought now. But I know a lot of people were saying, you can't, you can't kill the leads, you can't kill the leads. But, like, it, it's just... It's such a pivotal part of the film. I feel like having that, just to me anyway, that happy ending just doesn't do it justice. As well, though, like, I know what you're saying there, you, you don't want to kill your lead characters, but doesn't you don't you think that that's what sets, one of the things that sets this film apart from all the others? Is the yeah. fact everyone dies. Everyone dies. So I think it's one of the things that makes this film original and unique. And I think, I think, based on the conversations that we've just had, I think this is one of the rare occasions that we're kind of in complete agreement on almost everything that we've talked about. And I know that that might not be the most exciting thing for people to listen to, <laughs> to sit and watch three people agree with each other, but I, I can't really think of anything in this movie. Can anyone think of anything negative to say about this movie? Is there any point, points of this movie, any parts of it that you thought, didn't like that, that could have been done better, would have preferred this, anything at all? 
Honestly, no. Like being really nitpicky with it, no. Um, there's not anything in it that is very outwardly offensive because I was purposely trying to nitpick this because I was thinking, you know, this is made in 1986. It's based on the 1960 off-Broadway production. Like there'll probably be some things in here that don't stand the test of time. But overall, it does. <laughs> like I really can't it fault it. It does. And I think like if someone was to turn around to you, Lindsay, for example, and say, I don't know, say next week was say, oh, let's hang out and watch Little Shop of Horrors. You'd be all over that shit. Oh yeah, no, 110%. Let's do it right now. So if anyone comes across Lindsay on Tinder... Don't be a dentist. Don't be a dentist, but come around and watch Little Shop of Horrors. And she'll be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and, and, and sing some Suddenly Seymour. And there you sing, go. Sing, there you go. So... Uh, so we, anything else about this movie then that you uh, be, be a shopkeep? <laughs> oh, do you want to date a mushnik? I don't think so. No. Um, anything else that we've not talked about yet, guys, that you, you just want to cover? Not that I can think of. Just it'll be interesting to get into the because there's so much trivia for this. I'm there excited is. to see what trivia you pick. Well, I, I, you know me, like, because I could, I could pick trivia for days for some of the yeah. movies that we cover. So I do tend to cherry pick like sort of seven or eight because I don't want it to go on forever. We have already covered a couple of it, but feel free to jump in with any trivia. And for you guys who are listening to us in the chat, if you've got any interesting trivia about this movie or anything at all, really. Um, feel free to drop it in the chat we will try and keep an eye on it and read out what we can um so shall we move on then okay yes. let's move on and let's talk about some of the trivia We'll start off with the finances of the movie as we normally do. And uh, this one kind of shocked me a little bit. Budget of $25 million. Um, I was a little bit surprised at just how high that budget was. Like, um, all things be considered. Um, original run at the box office was $38.9 million. So made its money back, but not like... A bit of a flop, really. Yeah, like yeah. It's, I think since then, considering how many how many plays this has inspired, how many theatre productions this has inspired, how many just how beloved it is, it'll have gone on to have made a hell of a lot more. But this is obviously we obviously just talk about what it's made at the box office. So yeah, like a little bit of a flop, not the worst flop in the world. They did make no. some money, but not a lot. I was watching um, a video earlier um, and it had some facts about the marketing and one of the things that they thought maybe was that the movie poster for Little Shop of Horrors was just like the shop in the background and the baby Audrey 2 sitting on the desk and it's like it's not very it doesn't really tell you what the film's about and they wondered if that put a lot of people off. That could have been because if you look at like the, the, the poster now yeah, it's like it's there so it is. It's, it's just popped up yeah. in this. It's just popped up on the on the screen yeah. there for folk. You could like it. It tells you a lot more, and like yeah. I say, it's just a lot more like exciting and interesting to look at, isn't it? So it's um, very reminiscent, reminiscent of like B horror movies in the style there. Well, I mean, this yeah. is essentially is a B horror movie, isn't it? Like, well, this it's is, a total love letter to those like 
B monster movies from the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s. Definitely, definitely. And it's funny, you talk about the sort of like the marketing and things of this movie. So part of their promotional things that they would do is they would actually send a, that one of the animatronic Audrey A2s with the, with the people controlling it onto like tv shows and like to do interview segments oh that's so that's um, awesome. to promote the movie so they'd have an audrey 2 there on whatever show it was i don't know what shows they did but like for example things like i don't know the conan o'brien show for example or something like that um and quite and more often than not at the end of the interview audrey 2 would eat the interviewer <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I think that i think that's kind of kind of cool as fuck um we've already mentioned all the voice actors all the voice actors did their own singing so even though during the scenes they're lip syncing to their own songs it's all of their own voices so that's really um alan green's voice she's an incredible voice absolutely Um, is a pretty darn good voice as well um, Steve Martin's got a good voice in this um, so everyone I think did a really really incredible job uh, you, 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 just to expand on a part of the trivia that you stole from me earlier Mean Green Mother from Outer Space is the first Oscar nominated song to contain a profanity oh I knew Ooh. that oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I knew that I knew that <laughs> I didn't want to take that bit from you as well <laughs> Mm. Um, <laughs> we've already talked about Ellen Green was uh, the one in the original off-Broadway cast. She's the only cast member that was cast in this movie as well. None of the other cast mm-hmm. members made it into the movie. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't think it would have worked for them. Maybe they didn't think their voices were strong enough or their name. Like they needed to, obviously they felt they needed to have people with name recognition in there. People like Rick Moranis and Steve Martin. But do you feel like they maybe could have found space for some of the other cast? They were looking at, um, they had like Cindy Lauper in mind, and then they were looking at um, Barbara Streisand, mm-hmm. but like Frank Oz was like, there's nobody else that can play it, it has to be her. Well, she, she essentially created that version of the character. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's, I don't know if this is in your trivia as well, but. Um... They're fucking nicking it left, right, and centre, <laughs> the two of you. Ellen we like Green musicals, was, leave us alone. We love musicals. Ellen Green was the one that said, no, Audrey's going to have this like bleach bottle blonde hair because originally Audrey was a brunette and um, Frank Oz had always pictured Audrey as a brunette, but Ellen Green was like, no, this is how I want to play her. And I think she does it brilliantly. Like, I know we said earlier um, about somebody else reprising the role, but I don't know, Ellen Green just does it so well. Listen. Anything that gets Jennifer Tilly on my screen is well, a okay yeah. with me. She like, would do She it can justice. do no wrong. Jennifer Tilly is, she's right up there for me with Gillian Anderson. Um, anyways, Lily's um, <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good combo. Yeah. <laughs> that one was not in my trivia, Lucy, so you're okay. I, oh, I, okay. I, I had read that, but that one wasn't in my trivia. Um, all the costume and the props were brought, were bought from New York thrift stores so that it would appear more authentic. So they literally bought everything from charity shops. Wow. That's part of its charm. I think that's quite cool. But also, that start, then you start to raise that question, where are they spending this $25 million? <laughs> um, so I'll go with this one next, since 
uh, Lindsay, you've already stolen half of it. So Cindy Lauper was originally offered the role of Audrey. Um, you talked about Barbara Streisand. They'd also considered giving it to Madonna. Um, and I think I might have hated that film. <laughs> I maybe. I think I could have gotten on board with Cindy Lauper. I don't think I could have gotten on board with Madonna. I don't know. I just feel like with some of the songs that Audrey sings, you do need that like big, like booming Broadway voice, and Ellen Green has that. Um, I don't know if I would have wanted some pop star trying to belt. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. Because there's some points where she's got like real sort of like, it's like a frog in your throat sound, isn't it? And mm. she, I don't know what the technical term for it is. I'm not, as you can tell, I'm not musically adapt, 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 whatever the adapt, word is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on that same note, uh, Gene Wilder was originally considered for the role of Orange Gravello. Oh, he would have done a good job. I think that. he'd have done yeah. amazing. Like Gene Wilder was so funny. Like just so incredibly funny. Someone who had like really good comic timing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. If you ever seen See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Yes. The movie yeah. he does with Richard, so with Richard Pryor. Maybe not the most politically correct movie uh, you oh, will ever no. see, but <laughs> the comedy timing in that movie is just absolute perfection. Um, so definitely. Wolfie says nasally voice. I'm not going to read out that comment from Graham. It's highly offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this was, at the time, obviously not anymore, uh, the most expensive movie that Warner Brothers had ever produced. Oh, wow. By far. The second most expensive was also from 1986, was Aliens, which had a budget budget of $18 million. So Little Shop of Horrors had a $7 million bigger budget than Aliens. That's wild. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, The last, not the last, uh, so there were six different um, animatronics built for Audrey. So six different stages of growth. um, And they would use sort of camera techniques and optical illusions and things like that to try and sort of get the various shots of them. But no CGI was used at any point in this movie so everything you see is just optical illusions with the camera um with rigging and things like that so everything was practical which as we've discussed is what we prefer yes and that's it that's the trivia that i've got that's the trivia that i've cherry picked so anything that you guys want to or trivia that you're aware of that you think is would be interesting to share um the only other couple of things that I know about the film that I think are quite interesting is that it was all filmed in England in a soundstage in England and they had to build the set from scratch so I think that's probably where a lot of the budget went as well um when Rick Moranis and Ellen Green were singing Suddenly Seymour because the sound stages are all like open air, it was so cold that you could see their breath. So between takes, they had to suck on ice cubes to try and like. I thought you were something else there. Get your mind out the gutter, Ian. Um, Never. <laughs> um, to try and like bring down the temperature of their mouth so it wouldn't um, blow so much air. And um, stop it! You're you're flirting with felt. <laughs> Martin with Phil. 
And um, it was filmed um, next to the same stage as what they were doing Labyrinth on. So Jim Henson's Ooh. son would often come over to the other sound stage um, where they were doing Little Shop of Horrors to help with the animatronics because, of course, Frank Oz worked with the Hensons on the Muppets. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. And, you know, I think anything with... Uh, Anything that's got sort of hints and productions involved, you know, you're going to get some good, good ass puppetry. Eh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Lucy, if you got anything else you want to add, or have we covered everything? Let me look at my Rolodex of trivia. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the fucking sass in that. Holy Jesus. Um, there's only one that kind of sticks out just on the note of, um, of Audrey 2. Um, like like you'd said, Ian, there was six different um, Audrey twos made six different puppets. Um, each of them had to be cleaned, repainted, and patched up at the end of each shooting day, which took up to three hours depending on the size. So every day they had to repaint and fix any like mistakes or any like wear and tear. And I think that probably would have been a chunk of the budget as well. But there was so much. I think there was like a crew of sixty people that were I was dedicated just about to, say to that. Audrey. Was there not like up to sixty puppeteers? It's a. It was a proper, um, the proper labor of love. This movie. Mm. Yeah. You know, so the people working on it were clearly people who believed in the project they were doing. People who were well on board, and and it and it shows because they've created this this masterpiece that I think that I think is going to live on. Um, you know, and I think I think it is this is the one of these sorts of movies. I think it is the job of people like us to sort of try and keep the the spirit of it alive because it's not something that you ever really see on TV or streaming services that often. Um, and I think this is something that you know we talked about when we did Frankenstein last week. That you know, if you are a fan of horror that is a movie that you should go seek out and go and see. And I think Little Shop of Horrors also falls into that category of if you are a fan of horror and a fan of musicals, but even if you are just a fan of horror, this is something that you need to go and see just because of, let's face it, like how iconic this is. Like you, if you're a horror, if you're a fan of horror of a certain age or not even that, just of a, not even of a certain age, You'll watch this movie, you will know some of the tunes that come on. Mm. Like some of the songs will come on. And if even if you haven't seen it before, you'll go, ah, oh, so that's where it's from. Wouldn't you? Like, I feel I, like everybody knows Audrey 2, or at least the image of Audrey 2. I'd like to think so. We'd probably I think we'd probably be surprised, but I'd like to think so. Okay. Uh, anything else, guys, before we move on? No. Okay, let's get into our next section. Um, oh, see, see, Jamie's, Jamie's <laughs> there with us as well. Yeah, we, we've talked about that already, Jamie. Come on. Um, it's time to get into the next section, which is the ratings and our final thoughts. And as always, we will start off with the critics. IMDb scored this movie at 7 out of 10. Metacritic scored it an 81 out of 100. 
time now for everyone's favourite guessing game. It's the Rotten Tomatoes guessing game. Uh, this week it's Lucy's movie, so Lucy, you get to go first. Uh, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes critics scored this movie? I'm hoping it's a good score. Um, I'm going to see, I don't know, but I'm going to go 80. Going to go 80. Okay, uh, Lindsay? Yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit scared for this film <laughs> because um, the critics just hate joy. Um, so do some of our listeners based on a couple of the opinions oh, that we got. Well, true. I saw them, I saw them. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go 70. Wow, for the first time in a long time, Lucy, you're going to take this one. because. Oh the streak, the streak is over because Lindsay. The streak's you'd, broken. You'd won like for the last number of weeks, both of them. You've been clean sweeping this for a while. And oh, I'm dead eventually. Then the Rotten Tomatoes critics scored this a ninety percent, so a really, really high score. Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy. I love. You know what? I just love watching how happy Lindsay gets when the critics are really nice to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does bring you actual joy. It does. <laughs> <laughs> the critics' consensus, remixing Roger Corman's B-movie by way of the off-Broadway musical Little Shop of Horrors offers camp, horror, and catchy tunes in equal measure, plus in some inspired cameos by the likes of Steve Martin and Bill Murray. Uh, I don't think it really, that's pretty complimentary. Yeah. For once. For once. Um <laughs> <laughs> Wolfie in the chat, Lucy, I'm not competitive gets all giddy when she wins I'm choosing to ignore that Wolfie <laughs> uh, That's why I chose to chose to bring it up um, Okay, uh, Lindsay though, you get to go first on this second one, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes audience scored this movie? Um, I'm going to go 85 85% Lucy? I'm going to go 95 Oh, no clean sweep this week, though. Oh. No clean sweep. Lindsay's going to take this one. 79% from the audience. Oh, so a slightly a slightly lower score. Um, yeah. It's still a high score. That's, 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 still, that's still a fresh score. But I, I would have thought it would have been the other way around. And the critics Same. would have given it something yeah. like 79. And the 90 would have been from the audience. But no, 79%. Uh, from the audience so uh, I guess all that leaves is for us to give our ratings so since it's your movie Lucy you get to go first what are you going to rate this movie on a scale of 0 to 10 for once I had no hesitation with the score that I was going to give this movie and also for once when we've been talking about it I haven't been like oh actually this ain't a great movie (laughs) Um, as I said like I'm a massive fan of musicals and like this isn't only one of my favourite horrors. This is one of my favourite musicals, hands down. I think it stands the test of time. It's iconic. I'd recommend anyone to watch it. And I cannot fault it. So with that, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Ding, ding, ding. A perfect score from Lucy. Full 10 out of 10. Have you, have you ever given a 10 before? See, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, ginger once, snaps. Oh, I also gave ginger snaps 10. Um, yeah. So yeah, 10 out of 10. Lindsay. What are you I scoring this? Love this film. Um, I can't really say any more than what Lucy's said about it. I just think it's great. I think everyone should watch it. Um, so with that being said, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Good. 
Um, I think that this is my second favorite musical of all time. And there, the, there, there's nothing at all that we've, we've talked about. We've just talked about this movie for the best part of the last sort of two hours. There's nothing, and we've, we've came up with nothing really that we can really sort of say, no, that was badly done or that could have been done better. The casting's great. The songs are amazing. The, the effects, the practical effects are actually, you know, I don't think we've talked about that enough, to be honest with you. They're mind-blowing. They, they, they really are. Especially on Audrey too, you know, they're, they're, they're amazing. Um, but given that more just on a personal level, I have another one that I love just that, that teeny, teeny, tiny bit more. I'm going to do something Lindsay hates and give a half mark. I'm going to give this nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> And that's also shocking because it means that I'm not the one that gives us the uh, gives it the lowest score. Lindsay, you gave it the lowest score this week out of all of us. I know. I never. I, so savage this week. <laughs> Wait, Ian, are you saying I pick? I picked a good movie. I mean, I do believe that was the first thing I said <laughs> when we started this episode. So you can take I, that self righteousness and poke that right up your arse. <laughs> I, I just like hearing you say it again, you know. I just like to savor the moment. Oh well, there's hey, you pair, you're both egomaniacs. I know. <laughs> just her, no me. <laughs> you're the biggest one. I've no ego. What are you talking about? Um, my first favorite musical. I can't say right now because we're going to be reviewing it in a couple of months. <laughs> it would give it away. It would give it away. Um, but it's the other famous horror musical. Jamie in the chat says, Lindsay forced us to watch it, and I'll be honest, expectations were very low. It was so good. Why were expectations low? Oh, you said because of the trailer. You said because of the trailer, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, the trailer was terrible. <laughs> so I was like, I promise it's good. Um, so yeah, um, given that, our scores, combining that with the critics' scores, gives Little Shop of Horrors an average score of 8.3 out of 10. So good it mm-hmm. puts it in it is tied in 12th place of the now 107 movies oh. that we have covered on the show so it is it is right up there it has got the exact same score as battle royale the invisible man 1976's Kari, and the exorcist it's in good company very it's, good it, company. it's in very very good company there so and i think uh I think it deserves its place there. I don't think I I certainly can't argue against its placing there. So no. Definitely. Okay. So into our final segment, which is the listener opinions. We always throw it out to our social media, ask you guys, the listeners, to tell us what you think of the movies that we cover and we read out the best ones on show. We also always put out a poll asking for you guys to vote yay, nay, or meh about the movies. Maybe I need to come up with something better because I hate saying that. Like, it looks good on a poll, but I fucking hate saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this week, for Little Shop of Horrors, 84 votes in the poll, 75% voted yay, 16% voted met, 9% of people hate joy and voted nay. Um, Who's that 9%? Don't I know. Don't know, don't know who they are. Like, <laughs> I know you made fun of me when we were doing Hotel Transylvania saying that I hate joy, but if you hate this movie, you hate joy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
thousand percent. Okay. Uh, so we also get some actual listener opinions. So Lee Like T on Twitter says, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. The soundtrack is great. It's campy. And I don't know, maybe we should just submit to our alien plant overlords. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're all with you there, Lee. Uh, Carlo saw this for the first time when I was a kid and I instantly loved it. So crazy, so funny. The cast is perfect. The songs are hella catchy. And Levi Stubbs is perfect as Audrey too, which is surprising for someone who wasn't a career actor. Absolutely agree with that. RJ Blake, Little Shop of Horrors is one of the rare perfect films in existence. It's hilarious, sweet, genuinely creepy, with one of the best musical soundtracks ever. You love those characters and are rooting for them, even as they sink farther into the point of no return. Yep. Don't disagree with that. Um, We've got a couple of reviews from friends of the show and uh, hosts of the show Nico for one says it's the only musical that's better than Rocky Horror we'll see about that <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, if you if you have been listening to us for some time you'll know very much of Candy from The House That Screams uh, Candy says an all time fave definitely surpasses the original and the casting slash music slash special effects are superb uh, I wasn't. I didn't want to end on a sour note, but I've left the 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 not, the not nice one to last. So Irish toast on Twitter. That's who it is, Lucy. You can go and find them and have a talk to them. Taking a note of that. <laughs> uh, this is on my worst movie list. I did not like it. It wasn't scary, and it definitely wasn't funny. All right, hun. Do you, do, you, do you understand what funny... I'm sorry, I know we say everyone's entitled to their opinions, but that opinion is wrong. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm You're, only joking. We're not. <laughs> we're not. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, I get that for some, some people, musicals just aren't their bag. And that's Perfect. fine. That's fine. But I think to say that this is... I think if, even if you're looking at this objectively and you don't love it, I think to say that it's on your worst movie list is... I think you're pushing it a bit there. You're pushing it a lot there, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, well, for you're right. It's not supposed to be scary. No, and a lot of horror movies aren't supposed to be scary. No, and they don't have to that's be. something that will automatically be like, oh, well, it's not a horror movie then. How about you shut the fuck up? Um, but anyways, that's it for this week's show. We have We have done a review of The Little Shop of Horrors. Lucy, how happy are you? I'm so happy. I've been waiting for this episode for ages and um, I'm just glad that we were all in agreement. I I, I don't think, I mean, yeah, I don't think it was ever in doubt, was it really, about this one. There are certain movies that you just know is going to go down well. Like our our movie review later uh, later in the week might not go down so well amongst the three of us. Have you watched it yet, Lucy? I didn't watch it yesterday. I, I'm putting it off. I'm not going to lie. You ain't got long left. You ain't got long I know, left. I know. I I will get it watched. Lindsay, no how many times have you rewatched it this week? I haven't rewatched it this week yet. But how many times I did will. you rewatch it last week? <laughs> <laughs> I I reviewed it in um, was it March for a different podcast, and I watched it a good few times then. Yeah. Um, so basically, up next on the show. We are going to be revisiting uh, Terrifier, 
which is in a movie that has been covered on this podcast before. I, I covered it with Laura from the Bloodshed podcast uh, back in 2020. But obviously, Lindsay, Lucy haven't had a chance to get your say on it. So we're going to be reviewing that. And as we've said previously, we're going to do that sort of going forward into the year. Every so often, we're going to throw in a revisited episode. I think we've already picked the ones that we've got that we're going to be talking about this year so there's some good ones um but that's something i think we're going to do a little bit more just moving forward i think i think it's that's going to be a fun thing to do um, obviously eventually we'll we'll run out of ones that used to haven't been involved in but uh i think that'll uh, give us a little bit of content for a little bit a little while there so sort of going back and revisiting some of those uh some of those episodes so up next like i say we're going to be reviewing terrifier but next week it's back to Lindsay's choice of movie on the, the first episode. Lindsay, what are we talking about next week? We're going to do Psycho. Psycho next way. week. And Some of my favourite films. It's, we're going to be, there's going to be four of us next week. Yes. yes. Next week, um, again, if you know this podcast, you'll know of Sophie. Uh, Sophie has already made three appearances on the podcast to talk about Saw 3, to talk about The Invitation and to talk about Lake Placid. Sophie is coming back on the show with the three of us to talk about Psycho, uh, another movie that I'm very, very excited, uh, very, very excited to to talk about. One that's going to bring up uh, a lot of talking points. Our second Hitchcock movie um, Mm -hmm. of the year as well. So... um, one for the Hitchcock fans out there. Um, although none of us are fans of Hitchcock because he's a wank. <laughs> but, but you know, people are Hitchcock fans. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about that. But, yeah, on Thursday, 7 o'clock, we're going to be talking about Terrifier. So, Jonathan in the chat, go watch Terrifier so that you can know what we're talking about. I actually think Jonathan would like Terrifier. I think I everyone know. will like Terrifier. Apart, apart from Lucy. I'll, fine. I'll go into it with an open mind. That's and it. closed eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, thank you so, so much for everyone being here. If you're here in the live chat, stick around because we obviously will be doing our post-show debrief at the end of the show. So don't go anywhere. If you're listening to this on the download, thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate those of you who listen to us after the, the live shows, who listen to us on the podcast platforms, on Apple, on Spotify, on Google and Amazon and all the other podcast platforms that are out there. We really, really do appreciate your support. We appreciate everyone who supports us on our social media accounts as well. Something that we hadn't mentioned today, but we surpassed 7,000 followers on Twitter over the weekend. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Taking full credit for that one, Lindsay, since you were in charge at the time. <laughs> that i would have shouted out the weekend i'd um, save it for you oh thank you but yeah uh, seven thousand followers that's uh that's fantastic like this, this this time this time a year ago was when things started sort of really kicking off with the podcast we jumped from getting um like a couple of hundred downloads a month and it was around june time in 2020 that we suddenly started getting thousands of downloads a month you know we were getting well over a thousand sometimes two thousand downloads a month so uh you know it's it's really great that we've continued to grow and and we're incredibly thankful for everyone who supports us um so thank you so much and thank you so much for all of that really kind words thank you jamie jonathan Jurassic park thank you 
uh, Siobhan, Graham. Okay, we'll thank Graham as well, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, we really do appreciate uh, all of the support that we get from you guys. We're very close to now a thousand followers on our Instagram channel as well. I think we're only about 70 or 80 away from that. So if you don't already follow us on Instagram, check us out. We're at Behind the Screams podcast. Shockingly enough, go check us out there as well. We recently surpassed the 400 mark on Twitch, uh, which as a small Twitch channel is is, is a, it's a big deal. Like every hunt, like, you know, sometimes I feel like, especially on Twitter, like, oh, do I should I keep shouting out about, you know, the, the next thousand, the next thousand? Do I just wait until, you know, maybe we hit 10,000 or something like that? But we, we decided a long time ago that, you know what, we're going to celebrate our wins and yeah. celebrate our successes. And I think hitting 400 followers on Twitch is a really, really big step for us. Um, so I'm very, very proud of all of us there and, and everyone who supports us as well. So thank you so, so much for that. Um, I've just remembered that we're not actually in the post show yet and I'm still recording this, so I should probably end <laughs> the show. Um, so thank you to Lucy and Lindsay for joining me. Thank you to you guys at home for downloading and listening to this episode and we hope you will join us next time on Behind the Screens.